What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, as the Braves offseason has begun, Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wackiest hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. Excellent to be back in front of your beautiful face, as always. I've been gone on an extended World Series vacation. Did you, the last did you go to Disney World? I went to Disney World. I rode the rides. I, what do you do there? Like pop balloons? If you're part of the Florida Project movie, I guess. I, I don't know what that reference means. All right. That means you're too poor to go to Disney World. Got it. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> Disney World was a blast. Yeah. Uh, Braves World Champs. We have to mention that every episode. Graham. Yes, we are the World Series champions. Uh, word around town is you did an episode without me last week. You did. Very unfair. With your permission, but whatever. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was happening. Uh, I hear you didn't mention the Braves, though. What's up with that? That's not true. That's uh, complete lies and slander by one uh, Hugo. Was that CNN? Hugo from CNN, yes. Yeah. That's where he works now. And um, he just thought that because the Braves weren't in the title, we didn't talk about the Braves. He spent the first 15 minutes talking about the parade and all so that shit. So a classic case of just reading the cover and not reading the book. Exactly. Mm. Um, Interesting. There was too much. We literally talked about all of the teams. So I felt like United was deserving of being in the title over us talking about the... Give me uh, the quick update on the Atlanta United-gram. Are we, we're in the playoffs? We're in the playoffs. They don't play till the end of November. But that's when they play... Uh, oh, because CONCACAF is going on. CONCACAF. Right, right. So New York City is who they'll play, um, I think, on the 27th. But you can listen to the last episode, Adam, and uh, learn all about it from Joseph. I've got it downloaded. It's queued up. I'm just waiting for the right moment, Graham. All right. But, uh, yeah, there are other Atlanta sports going on besides the Braves, I hear. I'm glad you're staying relevant. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, staying up to date. There are other things going on besides the Braves, Adam. But why not start off with some Braves news? Because that's what everybody is dying to know. The Braves, Adam, made a big move in free agency today. At least the day of this recording is something that everybody has been waiting for, long anticipated, um, and everybody's thrilled that this has happened. A signing of one free agent, Manny Pena, who is the, uh, was the backup catcher for the Brewers, who is known to be a defensive stalwart, uh, saved seven runs in... Only 75 innings, which is one more than Yadier Molina did in like a thousand innings. So pretty solid. Uh, doesn't hit that well. Had a 198 batting average at 13 homers. 13 bombs, though. Which is that's pretty a, impressive. And, it, yeah, and only 75 innings. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's good. Um, I'm fine with the move. It's like an $8 million contract for two years. Uh, they are definitely trying to solidify the backup catcher position. Anthopolis has talked a lot about. Uh, you know, it's just been so freaking uh, hard with the way they constructed the team. They didn't think about really catching depth, and they went through like nine catchers or something. And so now they're hoping that with Darno in tow, with Pena in tow, that uh, hopefully health will be kinder to the catching position. But they're getting out in front of it as opposed to they're you know they're not reacting; they are anticipating. So getting out in front of some things this off season. Uh, it's not the move everybody wanted yet, but. It, uh, it is important. We still have some holes that we need to fill on this team, and backup catcher is certainly one of them. Yeah, and like you have the two young guys, Contreras and Langoliers, and a lot of people are like, why don't you just play one of them? It's like these guys need to continue to develop. And I think at this point, with Pena in tow for two years, who I think Pena did some stuff to us in the NLDS, if I'm not mistaken. I remember screaming his name a couple of times. 
It's like that damn Pena. You don't remember that at all? No. Okay, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure it happened. He might have been involved in the, the terrible base running gaffes that we had. Um, but Con- Contreras is certainly a trade candidate now. I think Langoliers is clearly the future at catcher. Yeah, he seems to be the, the heir apparent in terms of his development. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously everyone wants Freddie Freeman. That hasn't happened. I'm starting to get a little nervous myself. What about you? Uh, I feel all right. I, you know, apparently it's the years we talked about it last week on the show. It's the years. It's becoming a little more specific now. Where the differences between the years? It seems the Braves want to do four or five years, and Freddie wants six. I don't. I really, and that's just conjecture. No one's come out and said that. Neither Freddie nor Anthopolis or the Braves have said that. But I just find it hard to believe that it's just one year. Like there's got to be something else going on to prevent this from happening. You're telling me. You're completely, perfectly willing to give him a five-year contract, not six. I mean, it just seems kind of crazy. The art of negotiation, Graham. Yeah. Although this isn't a guy. I mean, we should have been negotiating with him all year. No, I mean the last two years. It's 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 foolish. Yeah. Um, and the problem is now that we've waited this long to re- try to resign Freddie is that he's won an MVP. Uh, you know how we all feel about subjective awards, but it does increase your value. Um, and free agency, and he's brought home the first championship in 25 years. So, uh, and he's just, he's solidified himself as one of the all-time greatest Braves by doing that. He was already on his way, but now it's it's official. So, yeah, the uh, he's sort of got the Braves by the balls right now, and the Braves have no one to blame but themselves for waiting this long. And I guess you can talk about COVID, but it should have been done before 2020. It should have been 2019. Yeah, I think they made plenty of money this year. Yeah. Number, number two in attendance and. All that playoff revenue, World Series revenue, yeah, battery there, revenue. There's no excuse. Yeah. But it still should happen in 2019 is what I'm saying. Oh, sure, Graham. Oh, sure. But it doesn't matter. We are world champs. That is true. That's all that matters. We can blow this team up for all I care. Oh, no. You want to be like the Marlins and just Hell yeah. be irrelevant for 10 years? Win two championships in like five years? Hell yeah, Graham. All right. I would rather have uh, Freddie Freeman back and continue to uh, contend, but what that do sound, I know? That sounds pretty good, too. Yeah. We'll see. You know what, Graham? I think we should mix it up on this show today. Let's do something a little different. All right. You know, Take it away. We always have intern Jared. He's always in the background. He's always just, you know, putzing around while we record these shows. He's working the... The soundboard, making sure everything sounds just right for all the users. He's bringing me fresh beers. He's bringing you fresh liquor. You know, he's making sure our show notes are all tidy right. and up to date with yeah. the most recent facts. I think it's time to get this guy on the mic. Right. We are one of the most organized podcasts, I, I think. Uh, one of the best sounding and best quality podcasts that you can find. And we owe it a lot to uh, to intern Jared. So tell you I what, still don't think we need to bring him so, on. Not Jared. Yeah. We won the world championship. You've inspired us. You rehired. Say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just Jerry. doing what Adam said. This feels great to be on this side of the microphone and get uh, just a just a, a a little morsel of respect. I appreciate it. This is great. No, you've you've absolutely earned it, and it just so happens, purely coincidental, that. We're playing your New England Patriots this week. By we, I mean the Atlanta Falcons. Um, just so that's clear. Is that a fact? Okay. So yeah. That, that has nothing to do with my reason for being here today. No, no, no. Okay. No. okay. Just purely coincidental. But since you have some knowledge of the Patriots, we thought we'd bring you on today and, uh, you know, get, uh, fill us in on what, what's going on with this team. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually excited to talk with you guys about the Falcons, too, because I normally work on Sundays and I haven't... I haven't been able to really watch a lot of Atlanta 
this year. So I really don't know what's going on with the team, and I'm actually excited to have a conversation with you guys about it. And we can kind of see what each club is bringing to the field today, you know, on, on Sunday, I should say. Yeah, well, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. And Thursday. Oh, Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Well, I was truly blessed this past week that truly blessed. I happened to be on a spirit flight from San Juan, Puerto Rico to Baltimore at the time that the Falcons were playing. I took off about 30 minutes before kickoff, and I was sitting there thinking to myself before we were land, I was like, I'm going to turn this phone on. I think the Falcons are going to won by at least 10. Jesus. And then what happened, Graham? Uh, we lost 43 to 3. I'm like, what the hell happened? Lost by 40 <laughs> points. Uh, it was, I don't think we need to waste a lot of time on, uh, you know, usually we, we have to address that it happened. We have to address it. But, you know, normally we talk about, we go a little bit in the depth as to what happened the previous week. We got our asses handed to us from the get go. Uh, it was sloppy all around. Um, Dallas just picked us off with, you know, Michael Gallup came back. CD Lamb was great, had two touchdowns. Uh, Zeke Elliott contributed with a couple touchdowns. They just owned us the whole time. Matt Ryan looked awful. The offensive line looked awful. He really had, you know, outside of like uh, one of the first couple of drives, there's a couple of really nice passes to Pitts. And then after that, it was like everything was shut down. We could not beat their man coverage. And this was something that we talked about with uh, our old friend Ed Varney last week was that Dan Quinn has adapted his defensive scheme. He started to run man coverage at him. He doesn't just do cover three anymore, cover two, like he used to in Seattle and with, with the Falcons. Now it's all about man coverage and mixing it up and stunning blitzes and being a creative fucking defensive coordinator. Thanks, Dan. Because apparently he, he, we went and reevaluated after he got fired. He didn't wait until, uh, you know, maybe last year, a couple of years, you know, when we started sucking. Just He just kept doing the same thing. But now, now he plays us and goes to Dallas. He's just uh, hunky-dory again. So it pissed me off. As you can tell, that the uh, fact yeah. that he waited until now to be like, well, maybe I should mix in man coverage. Fucking idiot. Sorry. Whoa. I hate Dan Quinn a lot. Not as a person, but as a coach. Uh, he really screwed us in so many ways. Well, everyone was talking about how this was the Dan Quinn revenge tour this game. But if anything, 80% of that terrible defense that we put out there is Dan Quinn's fault because of the personnel that him and Thomas Dimitrov left us with. Oh, yeah. And Dimitrov, like, for sure. And, and that, I mean... I'm assuming the Cowboys have better personnel than oh, we, yeah. we've had on, on both sides of the yeah, both so sides of like, the ball. Uh, Mika Parsons, the guy we talked about, Micah Ryan, Graham, Micah, Micah. Sorry, I keep wanting to call him Mika. Micah Parsons was he a beast out there? Yeah, yeah. Making, I mean, I listened to the game. I was driving back, hungover from Louisville. Um, it was a miserable experience listening to that game and uh, being hungover as shit. I got no relief. Um, but yeah, you just, his name was coming up every seemed like every other play, and they were just killing us. And you know, it was just a completely. Uh, wimpy attitude too, because we're uh, we're down. Well, one of the critical things that happened in this game is it was fourth and seven. We could have kicked a field goal with Koo, and it was only seven to three at this point. And we decide, yeah, let's go for it on fourth and seven. Even though the last three plays were like incomplete passes, um, you know, it was. And of course, we don't get it. And we we just and then from there it was just like the avalanche effect that we could not stop them on offense at all, and they just slaughtered us. And they slaughtered us, and it got to the point where. I mean, it was even like we were down 30 to 3 or something, and it was like fourth and four. But it's like, oh, you're not going to go for it now? You're not going to go for it now, but you went for it when it was perfectly reasonable to kick a field goal? I don't know. And we, we punted it. I mean, it was, it's just pathetic. It was, it was pathetic all around. It's one of the worst Falcons games I've ever listened. I didn't watch it, but listened to. Um, and I was, frankly, I was depressed and ashamed. 
Well, I'm glad that we just mentioned that game. No. Did, didn't get too deep into it. Well, yeah, but I mean, there wasn't really a lot to get into. I mean, oh, you're you're making fun of me. I see. Yeah, I am. But, but I mean, like, I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. It was it was awful all around. All the players sucked. The coaches sucked. Everybody sucked. It, it, that's it. Well, I have a question. Like, it might have been hard to tell if it was you know listened to in the car on the radio, but. Do you think that Matt Ryan was having an off day kind of in a vacuum or was it the pressure that seemed to be forcing him to or, you know, kind of diminish his play? I'll be the first to admit as one of Matt Ryan's biggest offenders, it sounded like he was not having a good day back there. But also, no one can get open in this new man coverage. These receivers cannot get open. We miss Calvin Ridley like crazy. Um, you know, the, the field is really shut down without him. And Dallas has a solid secondary and good linebackers. So, um, you know, they were able to... Uh, you know, contain pits after we started, you know, sort of airing it out a little more. Um, it was like after that one decent drive we had, it was like no more. They just figured it out and shut us down. So, I mean, I think it was a combination of, once again, bad offensive line, bad play by Matt, no running game at well, all. Well, then Patterson got hurt as well. Patterson got hurt, but there was no running game at all. Again, Wayne Gallman was the only guy doing anything. And by the time he started contributing, the game was already over. Um, and then the receivers can't get open in man coverage. And then, you know, if, that just leaves Matt open for punishment. So it was a com- comprehensive, complete and total failure all across the board. Well, outside of, of last week against Dallas, what have you guys felt about Atlanta overall this year? Have you, have you been happy with how the team has progressed or not, you know, under this new regime or like, how, how are you guys feeling? About I, I feel better. I mean, we've already mass- matched last year's win total, you know, which is pathetic, but yeah, that's where we are. Um, and, all we wanted, you know, we've said this, all we wanted is progress. We just wanted some progress throughout the year. And we've seen that. And I think given the circumstances, given the shitty roster, given the like the horrible salary cap, um, and also, you know, missing Calvin Ridley and not having a running game, uh, this team has done decently enough with the personnel assembled. Like, you, we've seen progress from week to week. Last week sucked, sure. But overall, we've seen this team incrementally improve to the point where they've been competitive. I mean, they beat... A really good Saints team. I know they didn't have their starting quarterback, but for them to go on the road and do that, you know, they did blow an 18-point lead and had to come back. That was something to me. Uh, I mean, that showed me that you know this team has fight and it's trying. It's not very good. It's an ugly, disgusting team sometimes, but they're they are trying. And then, so it looks like they're responding to the coaching that they're, that they're given. And this also, I feel this NFL season has been like the year of the blowout. It seems so mm. far, where it's almost like. There are like three or four games a week that almost look like college football scores. They're just incredibly lopsided, and we see like decent to solid teams just laying a complete egg and getting just dusted off the field. And I think in I think it was week two or week three, the Patriots played the Saints, and it was in New England, and we just got absolutely steamrolled. It was just like a terrible, terrible showing. And it looks like one of those years where every team, no matter how good they might be, is due for one or two of those. And maybe that was like the Falcons' shitty, ugly loss of the year if they haven't been smoked out otherwise. I don't know. But. Yeah, that's a good point, intern Jared, we, because we, we've seen it from the Chiefs all year. Yeah, where the Chiefs have been up and they've down. They've gotten crazy. blown out. The Browns have gotten blown Hell, out. The Dallas, Ravens. Dallas lost to a mediocre Broncos team. Killed last week. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, an, an any given Sunday type it, scenario. It, it's really proven. The cliche is proven to be true a little bit this year for sure. But. I wonder about um, New England coming into this game. It seemed like they got off to a slow start this year, but have been really kicking ass uh, recently. Destroyed the Browns. Yeah. M- just an absolute shit show for, for Cleveland. Um, 
what was the what was the key to that game really? I know Baker Mayfield went out kind of early, but it seems like y'all dominated. Yeah, no, that was a really impressive team win by the Patriots, and it was kind of one of those games where everything was clicking, and we kind of started to see the potential of the team we were sold through the off season, you know, and that and that kind of has always been a joke in New England about teams that joke about winning the offseason and how ridiculous that is. But that was weird for New England to be in that position of spending all this money on all these kind of high-profile free agents. And we thought they were really going to be hitting the ground running. And it was a very sluggish start, as you alluded to. It was kind of like... And, and not in just like, oh, the team's not gelling. They don't know each other yet. It was really uncharacteristic things, like terrible penalties in like disastrous times of the game, like uh, drop balls, mistakes, like just a lot of things that the cliche was being thrown around constantly. It's like you don't see this from a Belichick coach team. And uh, like fumbles at terrible times. All these huge and small mistakes adding up to these games that we just could not find a way to win. And we were kind of being one of those teams that found a way to lose. And then in the last four weeks, so we've won four in a row uh, and against some really solid competition. Like we, we, we handled the Chargers pretty pretty soundly in LA. We destroyed the Browns last week and the team seems to me to be really gelling and starting to really get some cohesion. And as a fan, it's getting me excited because there's just little things I'm seeing during the game that shows to me that like this team really likes each other. They're they're kind of in it in a good way and I don't know, it's just it's getting me excited because it's it's quietly reminding a lot of people in kind of a New England fan universe of like the early 2000 Patriot teams. That's something that people are saying a lot, and I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit on that sort of comparison. But it, it's like a, not a flashy team. It doesn't have a, like a Randy Moss or a Julio Jones or any sort of like prolific offensive threat, but it's just very well-rounded, sturdy. Uh, it seems like it could be reliable. I mean, I want to see them string a couple more weeks together. And I mean, they're doing great four in a row. Um, but it is it is exciting. There, it, it seems like the team is heating up at the right time and starting to get on the same page. So you say Mac Jones especially has has been better. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean he, he's it's he's been so so impressive in a lot of areas, and I would say the two that stand out most to me is just kind of poise under pressure and his ability to get up after taking these massive hits. Like we had some pretty sh- some pretty shitty like offensive line issues early on where Trent Brown, one of our key offseason signings, went down for several weeks and they were shuffling people around and couldn't really protect him. So he was getting these massive, massive hits and he would just spring right back up from the turf like he was made of rubber. So it's like, that's a good sign. Don't know how long that could last, but it's good to see that he is resilient and physically tough. Mm. And then there are a couple ones because we lost to Dallas as well earlier in the year. And Mac Jones threw a terrible pick six late in the fourth. And it was just like, oh, my God, that's such a bad error. And then on the next drive, like three, two, three plays later, he throws like a 70-yard touchdown over the middle. So he's showing mental toughness and ability to kind of respond to adversity really well, uh, as well as the physical toughness as well. And, and his, I think his accuracy is getting better. He had a couple bad weeks, like two, three weeks ago, but against Cleveland – he was throwing really nice balls and just kind of really just 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 he's playing very very well and i would say beyond the expectations of any pats fan as the offseason mm-hmm. was rolling along yeah it's it's it seems like it's been a remarkable turnaround because i remember watching early in the season maybe week 3 or 4 you guys barely beat the texans 
And yeah. I was like, oh man, Jared, you guys might be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. But like, it's just been incremental improvement. And like Mac Jones seems like, like, cause I know, I know your running game's really good. Mm. It's been really good. So like, it's just like, don't make mistakes. Like, I mean, he's going to throw for, he's not going to throw for 350, 400 yards, mm-hmm. but he's throwing for 200, 250, zero mm. interceptions. That's all you can ask, especially with having the yeah. best coach that has ever existed. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I, re- I remember that Houston game, and I was I was fucking freaking out because they were just like playing so so poorly against arguably the worst team in the league. I would say the Texans. Yeah, and so they have totally turned it around. And there was one game where I think Mac had like 17 straight completions, and not all of them are like kind of dink and dunk screen passes too. You know, and they're not really uh, at this stage in their development. They don't have a ton of a deep threat, but they do have you know. 20, 30-yard slant plays that he's completing. So they're not all, you know, underneath five-yard plays. And, uh, yeah, he has just shown a lot of consistency and, and resiliency and has improved a lot as the year has marched on. And I'm hoping it keeps going, too. Yeah, looking at this this game against the Browns last week, we, we are screwed, in my opinion, the Falcons, that I is. I agree. Like, quarterback play for the Patriots, they are 22 of 26 Four touchdowns, zero interceptions. They rushed for 184 yards. They had five sacks. I I, I know you guys have gotten great returns from uh, Judon, the free agent oh, signing Judon. from Ravens. Baltimore. Yeah. He's a great player. He's got nine and a half sacks yeah. on the year. Do the, do the Falcons, do we have that many as a team? We have 11 sacks as a team as of last week. I don't think we got one sack. Who's our week. leader? Uh, uh, it? It's like three guys tied with two. Good God. So it's like, like Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler, and someone nothing else. Nothing has changed there. Then. Yeah. That's that's the sim- So like just the fact that you guys can win a game 45 to 7 is shocking to me. Because like, so you guys are 6 and 4. We're 4 and 5. And like, like Graham said, that's as many games as we won last year. I'm very happy with that. Uh, I still think we'll get to seven, eight wins, maybe. 17-game season, Graham. Don't forget it, that. It is. Um, but, like, even our wins, they have been painful. The, well, yeah, and the only team we beat that's worth a shit was a team that didn't have a starting quarterback in the Saints. Now, they have, they're a good team, but even still. Like, we haven't gone out there and said, okay, there's another team at full strength, and we went out there and beat them. Other wins have been against Miami and other shitty teams. Maybe this is the game, though, Craig. Maybe. But Bill Belichick has never lost to the Falcons. I don't see that happening. Has um, anyone seen the line on this game? It's uh, six and a half. That's it? Uh, we get six and a half. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, that's being at home. That's being at home. And it's not going to be a home field advantage. I imagine Mercedes-Benz oh, no. is going to be taken over by Patriots fans. Including this guy, uh, yeah. um, you officially going? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we haven't decided. We were talking about going, but there hasn't been any further well, yeah, discussion. Like, we'll have to have that conversation because it turns out I'm working that day. Oh, so it kinda, no. It kind of depends on when I get out, and mm. it's it's literally going to be like a game time decision. But um, I don't. I think that because I was looking at it today, I never do this. I was looking at like the the injury report for the Patriots, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't normally do this, so I don't know if this is normal Belichick. Houdini stuff, but we have a ton of people, a ton of key players who are like uh, questionable to play on Thursday. Oh yeah, that sounds like some greasy Belichick stuff. It might be, it might be, but it might not. I mean, I mean, both teams obviously are coming over a really tight turnaround. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons win this game. Uh, it's, 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 you know, it's like this year has shown anything can really. Yeah, happen. Thursday night football is always screwy as hell too. Yeah. Like the Dolphins beat the Ravens last week. That shouldn't happen. And it's just the fact that the Patriots are coming off such a blowout win and we're coming off such a blowout loss. Yeah. The kicker here, though, is uh, 
Patterson, Corderell Patterson. Is he officially out, Graham? Have you heard anything? It's not confirmed. He did have a limited practice on Monday. He's very questionable. But he's very questionable. They're thinking he could potentially miss at least two weeks. Um, Or he might play. I don't know. It's up in the air. But if he's out, there's no chance in hell we're winning. He's he's the lifeblood of our our offense. Unless Gallman just really goes off. And maybe Mike Davis wakes up and does something with his life. I don't think so. Like, Adam, it's been, this is going to be week 11, I think. Like this, this team has no running game outside of Patterson. Davis is useless, and even Patterson's not the best running back in the world. Uh, we cannot. We are such a one-dimensional offense, and we're and hell. I read a depressing stat uh, yesterday that Calvin Ridley still leads receivers, not not like Pitts is technically a tight end, but receivers in receiving yards, which just goes to show how horrible our receiving core is when a guy has only played in three games this year or something, and who's had pretty bad games overall for him especially still leads the team in receptions yeah we got we got to get more out of russell gage we got to get more out of hayden hurst like someone's got to step up it's not you can't just lose your top two receivers from last year and be fine you know even even if you're putting in a generational talent like yeah Pitts. but the problem is is he's getting he's getting taken away um oh yeah you know of course that's what dallas did um i, I, I bet like, I bet he has two catches against the Patriots. He had four for six. Belichick 60, is going to scheme the hell out of Kyle Pitts. Oh, yeah. I mean, he always tries to take away the best player. He's clearly the best player. Like, Russell Gage did actually step up in that Saints game. He led the team in, in, uh, in actual receptions, seven for 65 or something like that. Um, he needs to have another, uh, which isn't great, but at least it's something that's contributing. It's not being two for 10 or zero for nothing. Uh, I was listening to 92 9 the game this afternoon and. Andy and Randy, and they're like, so who's like, you take out Patterson, you take out Ridley, who's like the second best offensive weapon on this team right now beside, behind Pitts? And the answer they came up with was Listrom. Chris Lindstrom? Yeah, he, the guard. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that, that I shows would say Young Way Koo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's special teams. He's special teams, but <laughs> yeah. even still. He's still a weapon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, yeah, I have a hard time feeling like with the way the Patriots have, particularly the last couple of weeks, they've just been kicking so much butt and beating good teams that they're going to come in here and just drop lay an egg against. I mean, I still think we're one of the worst teams in football, regardless of our record, just because uh, I feel like we've gotten by on sort of guts at this mm. point. Um, hey, that's worth that, something. That it was- is, but it's it's like it's only going to. It's not a sustainable thing. We're 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 not going to the playoffs. We're not doing anything special with our lives. Like this team will, will eventually, you know, and might be already happening. But they're they they can't really compete against really good teams. And I think the Patriots have taken the step to being a really good team from what I've seen from them the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it must be kind of reassuring though. You're talking about kind of the Falcons playing with guts and kind of kind of punching above their weight in terms of like the skill that's on their roster even though what is it four wins mm-hmm. so far this year like if they're able to squeeze this much juice out of a team that really doesn't have a ton going for it in terms of talent in a way not to be like brutal but we all know that Dimitriov really did not leave the team in good shape no so the fact that they're able to generate this amount of success i think it's got to feel positive for the future and I mean, I think a key for the Falcons will be if they can have their other players outside of, of say Pitts and if Patterson says Patterson, apply pressure because we have one true lockdown corner in J.C. Jackson who's playing like out of his sneakers this year. He's like, 
probably going to be due for a really big contract soon, but he's playing great. But so if you can get, so we, we could be in a position where we just throw JC Jackson on pits and kind of go, man, we have been playing a lot more zone this year. So that also is an option as well. But if you can get those kind of second and third choice people to apply pressure to the secondary, I think success can be had on the Patriots team because they are stout in the secondary, but really their only lockdown guy is JC mm-hmm. Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I think until we can prove that we can run the football, it's just a non... I mean, I appreciate what you said, but because we're so one-dimensional, I just feel like Belichick's going to sniff out what we're doing very quickly, figure out what our weakness is, and, and destroy us. I just How can I have any even a semblance of hope right now with how terrible we've played against Dallas. I know there's only one game, but it's like, but it's been consistent that we can't run the ball and good coaches know how to take advantage of a one dimensional offense. This is what I like to call sad grim. Yeah. I mean, well, it was funny because, you know, like with the Braves and everything, it's just been this magical run and it's exceeded all expectations. It's been unreal. And then you look at, the Falcons, and it's just like it's it's, it's it's a rebuilding team. Absolutely, I'm glad you can finally admit it. That's going to make the playoffs this year. No, they're not. <laughs> but yeah, it is a rebuilding team, and our salary cap is screwed for the next two years at least. I mean, it's it's this is a uh, and and people are fed up with it. I mean, I know Falcons have always gotten kind of shit for people not going to the games, but it's literally been since the Super Bowl. We had one good season, and after that, it's just been trash football for four years. I mean, they, they, they what, fig- everybody hates it. They got to figure out something with their marketing department or something, because that that stadium, like, you could still have or make tickets cheaper. I don't know. Like, you could still have a good time going to watch a mediocre football team. Yeah, but um, yeah, they're just not they're just not doing it. That place looks like a coffin. Like, there's no one there. It's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, we're like 14 and 21 all the time in Mercedes Benz Stadium. I mean, we, we have no home field advantage. And people are apathetic to, to the Falcons. I mean, it, it's... It's like playing on a neutral yeah. field. Yeah, I mean, you have to... I mean, there are these teams where, you know, people are loyal no matter what. And that's not to say... I mean, there's still... Like, you, Adam and I are diehard Falcons fans, but we're not, we're not going to drop $150, $200, dollars to go to a game when you add in all the drinks and food and all the bullshit um, when this is what we're getting. Like, there are a lot of people that don't care or that will only care if the team's good. But we're not those people. Um, you know, we do care about the Falcons, but we have to call it like we see it. I mean, it's, it is what it is. And yeah, you're exactly right. I'm not going to spend that much money to go out and watch this team. Like I might go to the game on Thursday if we all go just to go, but like, I don't want to spend more than 60, 70 bucks. And that's even, that's pushing it. Mm. Like make, make an upper deck seat, 20 bucks. Just do it. Go back to the old days. Yeah. go, Go back to the old days. That's what Arthur Blank did when he took over the team. You just drop all these ticket prices. Everybody got back into the Falcons. The, the PSLs have, have freaking killed us, man. Yeah. They got to do something to bring the people back. Yeah. It's, well, uh... And it's it's a shame, too, because we've all seen a United game at the Benz. And we so we, we've we seen how that place can be it's true. Yes. an amazing home field advantage. Absolutely. If there was enough excitement behind the Falcons, like it's not like it's the building's fault. Like it's an no. incredible stadium and it is easy if there's passion behind it to get the crowd, whipped, you know, whipped up into a frenzy. But I don't blame the Falcons fans overall for their apathy because they just have, especially the, the last two Dan Quinn years with those terrible starts where it's like week six and there's no hope. Right. And and thankfully, that's not the case this year. And I think, I, I, I mean, from seeing from afar, I've been impressed with what Smith has done in terms of the level of competitive, 
competitiveness that he's gotten out of this team. But I'd understand why, like, the city is not yet enamored. Like, no. He hasn't done enough to win over the city yet, I don't think. No, and I think anyone calling for his head is an idiot. Um, Are people I, doing that? Yeah. There's plenty of people on Twitter after the Dallas game were just going ape shit, like, about how this guy is a bum, he's a loser. What, I mean, we beat the Saints the week before. It's not like... You don't do that unless you got something going for you. Like, I mean, I know this this roster sucks and everything, but like, you got to give Arthur Smith at least two to three years with this team because you're also dealing with a situation where you can't bring in an impact free agents. You have to absolutely nail the draft if you want to compete, and the jury's still out on that. And you're gonna have to do that a couple more years because we have we have like the worst salary cap situation in football. I mean. Yeah, I, I agree with you that if anyone's calling for Smith to be fired, it's absurd. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all we all felt, the three of us anyway, felt that, that Quinn was on for too long. But to not give someone a season to try to ride the ship is just ridiculous. Yeah, like some fans out there are just being... Well, these are the same people that thought Brian Snicker should be fired because Will Smith was still the closer. Right. Same people that wanted Austin Riley demoted to AAA. Uh, we're not professionals. Like, no. we're not in locker rooms. We're not in front offices. We don't know what's going on. We don't know anything. But it's easy to gripe. It's it, easy to bitch. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easy to moan. Yeah, it's, it certainly is. But, I mean, I think, like, there's also certain scenarios where, you know, it's like, I went, you know, even though I disagreed with the Will Smith thing at the time in August, I wasn't, like, fire Snitker because it's, you know, it's one aspect of it. He's doing a good job overall. And it worked out. His patience in him paid off. You know, but it's and it's like uh, you have to consider the circumstances and the totality. It's easy to say fire this one, fire that person. You know, but you know you got to think about it from all perspectives. And the truth is, this is one of the worst rosters in the league, and this is one of the worst salary cap situations in the league. And you can't expect to be a contending team this year. It's just impossible. Here's a question: Is part of the fun of being a sports fan in general, but especially in the city of Atlanta, bitching and moaning about the teams? So, like, we just won yeah. a championship, but maybe it's more fun to complain well, when things aren't going well. I was thinking about that because I was watching uh, the Hawks last week when they were in the midst of their five-game losing streak or whatever it was. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like to get upset at something. <laughs> oh, that feels good. Give me another hit of that. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you have uh, the Saints game last uh you know with the falcons where they blew that lead and you're just like getting pissed off and i was like oh man that's what it's like and then they came back and won and that was even better because you were expecting it to just be a, a, a true falcons thing and then you got the depression of losing 43 to 3 so it is nice to have that back in a way to be like oh yeah like this is what it's supposed to be like but also how can you replace the feeling of winning a damn world series yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened so jared is a much more experienced championship winner. I know you've said in the past, sometimes it is kind of fun watching like this oh, year, yeah. you had zero expectations this year and well, now you're starting to win versus like if you have Brady and all expectations are, Oh, let's go 16 or no, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's kind of fun to watch the under underdog rise a little bit. Oh, it's, it's always better that way. I think, I mean, and again, I always am fighting seeming like an asshole Boston, New England sports fan because we've been so, gluttonous and lucky for the past 20 years specifically with the Patriots but other other sports as well so it, it seems absurd to complain about anything but there is this weird sort of lack of energy during the Brady years especially the back half of his Brady years where they would just assume to win and it was like if like it was just there was no tension in the regular season 
So then we had our Cam Newton year last year, which I actually thought I really liked Cam a lot. Just want to say, and I hope he actually finds kind of more success in Carolina too, because that would be cool to see. I like him a lot as a player and a person. Um, but we had that really not good year last year, and you know everyone in the, in kind of the national media was doing the victory lap for Brady, which has become this sort of very New England and oh, you know it's a national conversation too of who is more responsible, Brady or Belichick, and then like. People in New England kind of circle the wagons around Bill and the rest of the country was just saying, I'll see that kind of proves it. So there was a lot of expectation going into this season with the offseason moves they made. And it's like, okay, clearly the Patriots are trying to reestablish their winning ways. And it was such a strange start to the year where they just looked very uncomfortable, very out of sorts and very undisciplined. Uh, But seeing it come together, like I wanted to bring up this – there's a Patriot uh, receiver, Jacoby Myers. He's, I think he's maybe our best receiver. Is he the rookie? No, it's actually his, his second or third year, oh, okay. I want to say. Um, but he is really scrappy, great player, uh, great energy, fights for the ball. And for whatever reason, he had not yet caught a touchdown. So last week against Cleveland, we're in total garbage time. Brian Hoyer is in for Mac Jones. Like That's the stage of the game we're in. And uh, Jacoby Myers finally gets his first touchdown for you know second or third year in the league and like the entire bench clears out defensive players everyone's just rushing him and celebrating with him because they had been kind of like in the media and the story had been ginned up for a while like when is Jacoby going to get his first touchdown and that was the thing I saw where I was like okay this team has good chemistry like they're they're excited about each other and they're excited for each other's success and that's when I kind of started feeling better about the team. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, that seems different from Patriots teams in the past, where like if something like that were to happen, it would just be kind of like business as usual sort of thing. Now it seems like there's more of a looser feeling. Yeah, but not in a bad way. No, no, no. There's yeah. more emotion. It seems, yeah. and it and it was kind of uh, robotic and sterile. Maybe it would be a way during like say like the Rams Super Bowl year mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Brady's last ring with the, with mm-hmm. the Patriots. There was this sort of kind of machine-like component. And in addition to that, Belichick on the, on the podium after the Cleveland game was like really praising the team mm-hmm. and really complimentary, which is another thing that's somewhat unusual for him. Like he's, he'll throw compliments around, but he'll always lace in like there's a lot of ways we got to get better, still a lot of mistakes. Right. I mean, it could be like beating the Jets 55 to nothing. It's yeah. like, yeah, we still left some plays out there. He always goes that way. But he was pretty much unanimously praising the team and just talking about how proud he was of the team. So things like that, it's like it's kind of it seems like a slightly different philosophy mm-hmm. to this team that makes him, in some ways, uh, more likable for me as a fan. Interesting. It kind of reminds me of like the last you know three years of the fourteen division title run, where it was like go to the playoffs, lose, go to the playoffs, lose. Regular season doesn't matter. Blah blah blah. And then you know juxtapose that with the Braves kind of energy in the last you know three years three four years of the snicker era where it's just been a lot of big personalities a lot of swagger a lot of confidence that kind of exploded with the you know we are those motherfuckers stuff jock peterson um it kind of reminds me of that but you're doing it with the same coach which i think is interesting Mm. and uh i wonder about this game so you're mentioning your shutdown corner we have a good shutdown corner aj terrell he's only given up like one touchdown in like 90 yards this year through like eight games. He's been great. Uh, Who's more important to shut down? Is it, uh, is it Jacoby Harris or your other really good receiver? Whose name escapes me at this moment in time. Uh, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about it today. Like who, who do I like more between those two receivers? 
Um, Kendrick Bourne was signed in the offseason, so I'm still kind of getting used to him. Really good hands, uh, good speed. Not really a deep threat guy, but he's really good over the middle. He had a great catch last week in the end zone, but splitting two defenders. And a great throw by Jones as well, and that was probably 35-yard ball maybe. So he's got good speed. Uh, but I would say uh, maybe Myers just because, again, I feel like he's scrappier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have you know we have Hunter Henry too in, in the tight end position. Oh, he's another can. really solid uh, weapon. I would say those of our, our kind of our – Biggest three uh, reception wep- weapons right yeah. now. I would say. I would. I will say. I think we'll fare better at them a little bit than than last week against Dallas because it was like I was talking with with uh, Edward last week. It was like, man, y'all got Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Schultz. I mean, you got like, and Gallup's really good too. It's like you got guys that yeah. could be number ones on any team and or number one tight end on on pretty much any team. No disrespect to the Patriots receivers, but they're not on that same level. I don't think. Um, you guys have more of, of I uh, seems like a balanced attack, um, but it's also like I don't think they're that explosive. I don't think anyone's going to tear us up for you know 100 yards and two touchdowns or anything like that. Particularly, you know, it was hard to know where um, you know who who should Terrell stick on, and it seemed like whoever Terrell wasn't on was getting totally picked on for the Falcons. So now hopefully it can be Terrell can be on Bourne or you know Myers or whoever. And hopefully it can just be a little better since we don't have such high, super high caliber receivers to deal with. Just got to be able to stop the run. That's also very important. Which is a big question. Harris is a good running back um, as well. So, and we don't have a great run defense. So that's another thing where you could hurt us. But I, I don't think, even if we lose, which I assume we will, I don't think we're going to get absolutely destroyed um, just because I think the caliber of skill p- position players are not nearly on the same level as Dallas uh, that the Patriots currently possess yeah i think that's really fair not even critique it's just a fact about the patriots where it's like it's not we're not tampa bay we're not dallas we don't have this incredible stable of like potent offensive weapons where you you know a lot of people are saying like we don't have that guy where the defenses say what are we going to do about him right like he's a he you know we don't have a gronk we don't have anything like that i mean gronk in his prime Mm -hmm. um but what we do have is every one of our weapons to me this year seems very solid it's like it's like a a like a, a a room full of like everyone's best third or something or everyone's maybe everybody's second or the average team's second but like that's every position. So in a way it's kind of a nice strength through diversity where it's kind of distributed amounts. It's not these huge peaks of talent at like three wide receiver positions. It's like distributed across the tight ends and the receivers and everyone is just decent to really solid. And that's why that's another reason I like the the feeling of the team cohesion. But I completely agree with your critique. We're not barn burners. We're not like this crazy offensive team. We're not right. Dallas. Not right. at all. So there is some hope to be gained from that. But I don't know. I still don't have a ton of, especially like you're talking about, if Patterson's out, kiss a goodbye. Could be the Mike Davis game. Mike Davis, wait for the Mike Davis game Mike all year. Davis, Frank Darby, the rookie receiver. Oh, yeah. He's got to get some play. I want him to be the number two receiver. Ooh. Let's see these young guys go. Hey, why not? You got nothing to lose. So like I don't I don't think Zacchaeus is the answer. Zacchaeus did have a nice game against uh New Orleans too. He's okay though. I mean he's fine. Yeah, but I mean I don't I would I haven't seen anything from Frank Darby to warrant that. But he had his first catch last week, Graham. Yeah, that's something. Fourteen yards, baby. Yeah. Zacchaeus got two touchdowns against some one of the better secondaries in the league. It has to count for something. You're a big Zacchaeus guy now? I love Zacchaeus. Okay. I, I think he's a very solid little player. I wish he was more consistent. 
and was a little more versatile. But for what he is, he's fine. He shouldn't be the number two receiver like he is right now. But it's the way of the world. It's just where we're at. Um, there's no real word on Calvin Ridley. He's still, who knows? I think he's out at least one more game after this one. Um, actually, I think he's on like not injured reserve, but some reserve. I think this might be the last game he's out. So maybe we'll see him back soon. Maybe not. I don't know. But we'll see what happens on Thursday. And uh, hope for the best. I would take the Patriots in the six and a half, though. I would, too. I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a kind of a close game, actually. I don't know why. Something about... And it's silly to to relate it to like the, how the media is covering things because the Patriots are like kind of pride themselves on locking all of that out. But just something about the way like all of a sudden all the ESPN people are like, oh, Patriots playoff team, Patriots playoff team. Yeah. There's no correlation, but I always sniff some sort of blowback from that. I don't know. It's just something that's like I'm on my toes with this game. I'm I mean, not, it, I'm not it going is into fair. It like, super comfy. Just because you're on a four-game win streak doesn't like you could follow it up with a four-game losing yeah. streak. Yeah, and two know. of those teams were the Jets and the Texans. Okay, right. so like you know, I'm not trying to discredit yeah. that, but right. You know, okay, I'll I'll take the Falcons then. <laughs> that's all you need to hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thursday night football <laughs> is screwy as hell. Anything can happen. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, I guess that covers the Falcons, Adam. The only thing really left is. Is your Atlanta Hawks, who you've been totally in tune with while you've been out of town. Well, let's say goodbye to intern Joe. Oh, okay. Goodbye, intern Joe. <laughs> goodbye, guys. Thank you for having me on this side of the mic. It was great. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it was fun. We appreciated yeah. the insight. Hopefully, I can go. Are you guys going to go to the game Thursday if I can't make it? You better not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm probably not going. Yeah, no. Neither. If uh, Will you go if all three of us can't? Maybe. I don't yeah. Know. All right. We'll yeah. see. All yeah, right. I probably wouldn't go if you're not going. Okay. Game time decision. All right. Yeah. All right, thanks, guys. Good work, intern Jared. That is intern Jared, everyone. And we will take a little break here to hear a nice word from our friends from DraftKings who have partnered with our podcast network, the Pigskin Podcast Network. They got a great offer for anyone looking to sign up. So let's roll this ad. Football fans, who's ready to score some free bets? Now you can when you bet on any NFL game this week with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers who bet just $1 on either team to score can win over $100 in free bets. When a team scores, you score. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. There are dozens of hundreds of contests out there, guys. NBA's in full swing. NFL's in full swing. College basketball's getting going. College football's in full swing. MMA, golf, anything you can think of. Esports, it's available on DraftKings to play if Sportsbook isn't available in your state. I've been playing DraftKings for years. It's a ton of fun. Get in on the action while you can. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $1 on either team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. Only available in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, and we return now after we were rudely interrupted by Jared uh, to talk about the Hawks. Skitty! Welcome back, Mr. Hawk. Skit, skit. We're just kidding, Jared. We really appreciated you coming by. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's dive into it, Adam. The Hawks finally look like humans. Uh, the last couple games, particularly a decisive victory against the former uh, NBA champs, the defending champs, Milwaukee Bucks, won that game by 20 points, 120 to 100, after they were fresh off a five-game losing streak out west that was just absolutely disgusting. Um, it was the first game where people actually looked like themselves um, that weren't named Trey Young or John Collins. Although Trey Young had the best game he's had all year. He opened up going like six for six from three, finished with eight of 13 from three, 42 points, eight rebounds, 10 assists. It was an absolutely masterful vintage Trey Young performance, and he shot it about as well as I've ever seen him shoot it um, from three-point range. And uh, Clint Capella actually looked great. He was moving on both ends of the floor, playing better defense, had a couple of big jams. Um, he was actually a force there in the in the perimeter. John Collins, once again, was very steady, very efficient, 19 points. Um, you know, Reddish continued to struggle. Uh, Gallinari finally got 10 points and looked a little more decent. Herter was solid. But the, really the big thing for me in this game, even though it was great to see Trey doing all he did, was seeing Clint Compella move and being a little bit more in game shape. I think that was incredibly encouraging and uh, hopefully translates more in the future because, man, our, it was a really big defensive turnaround. It was just he was like the glue. He made everything happen. Yeah, so what's been going on with Clint? He's just kind of looked slow yeah, at the beginning he, of the year? Yeah, he's not in game shape. Um, he, was, he had some injury that prevented him from really – starting to take training camp in full and he hasn't been in game shape all year because of that. He like literally started running the last week of practice. So before the season started. So it's very much a thing where, uh, you know, Clint just hasn't, hasn't been in game shape. And it seems like we haven't been getting the production out of bogey that you want to see. I know he had a good game last night against the magic. Yeah. He was like a ghost though in the Milwaukee game, unfortunately, but it was a much better effort team wise defensively. Everybody was, was doing what they needed to do. The bucks didn't have Middleton, but, um, you know, they had everybody else from that championship squad. Well, I guess Lopez wasn't there either. But, you know, they, they, they didn't have an excuse to, to not be more competitive than they were. Like, the Hawks were in control the whole game. It was always like a 10-point, 12-point lead, and the Hawks pulled away at the end. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. I'm just We saw it last year as well where this team was slow to gel. Obviously, we had different expectations this year after what we saw. But I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. I mean, that was a brutal stretch of opponents that they just played yeah i, mean, I saw where they were like we had the toughest strength of schedule yeah in the NBA. early on it was like 595 or something yeah. yeah i mean it was it was a tough schedule but you would like to have seen they weren't competitive in those in a lot of those games the only game they were really competitive in was the phoenix game everything else was just they got totally dominated but you know and that success translated again last night capella had another fantastic game 20 and 16 was once again a force in the paint um on both sides of the ball and i, I you know it's almost it's weird. It's like when he goes, the the rest of the team goes in a way. Like Trey Young was still having a great, you know, great run during that four or five game or five game losing streak. I think the last four games he averaged like twenty nine and nine, but we were still losing all of them. Um, you know, so Capella stepping up and being the force that we know he can be has really really helped us out. I cannot emphasize that enough. And John Collins with his steady consistency. Um, we were talking last week, Joseph and I, about like it's it's a damn crime that you know that we're not drawing enough enough drawing up enough plays for John, um, if any at all. Like, he has to just be opportunistic, and he's making the most out of the opportunities he is getting. I mean, it is good to see that coming off getting the contract, that it seems like he's 
continue to step his game up. You know? Yeah. He's not one of these guys who gets paid and then just is like, well, that's that's what I was here for. He's still trying to prove himself. And uh, I've heard that he's his float his like mid-range game has gotten a lot better this year. He's getting some floaters in there and just knocking down mid-range jumpers and uh, just adding another element into his game, which is awesome. He's It seems like every year he, he was just a dunk guy. Yeah. And he added the three last year. Now he's adding the the mid-range game this year. So that's uh, that's great to see. So as long as those two keep bringing it, we have so many pieces on this team that um, we're going to be a good team. Yeah, like you I know? fully expect Bogdan to, to contribute. And he you know had a good game last night. Gallinari had another solid game. Reddish has certainly cooled off. Um, but, you know, the big thing that happened was uh, DeAndre Hunter is, is going to be out for a while, like seven or eight weeks or something with, with a wrist problem. So yeah, I guess the good news is it's not the damn knee. Yeah, but, it just sucks because he's such a he, – he was also a guy that's been has been off to a slow start because he wasn't able to start training camp and have a full training camp and a full offseason. So, it, and, you know, this, this stymies his growth some because, you know, we see the potential in him, and he was the second-best player for a while until he got hurt last year and was huge against the Knicks in the playoffs. Um, so you hope that he can just stay healthy once he comes back for an extended period of time because – it's, he, you know, he's going to take a while to get back into game shape again. He still wasn't in game shape for the, this whole season so yeah, far. Yeah, this is what, year three for him? This is year three. And this is now looking like two of them, very injury-riddled. Yeah, which sucks. Maybe this was just fluky. I don't know, man. But, yeah, it's you hate to see that. Yeah, and then Herter, you know, started to step up on the road trip near the end of it. So I'm looking for him to – you know, he was another guy who also had a an injury and didn't have a complete training camp. So I think, you know, it's a combination of – Injuries and this team needing to sort of regel and I think readjust expectations coming in to this season, talking all this shit and then getting humbled a little bit is probably the best thing that can happen to them, honestly. Um, as as harsh as that might sound. I heard Fire McMillan chants on Twitter as well. Ridiculous. Yeah. We're 10, 11, 12 games into the season, wherever the hell it is. Yeah, and, and it looks like the schedule. I mean, we got the 7-7 seven and seven Celtics. The eight and seven Hornets. Yeah, the schedule gets a lot Five easier. Five and eight Thunder. Spurs, four and nine I think. Spurs. Yeah. So some winnable games out there. Yeah, and get on a nice little roll. Don't yeah. We, oh, that's Christmas. We play Christmas Day. This yeah, year. I played. One thing that we'll have to drastically improve is the the play on the road has been awful. So we're going to and obviously, you know, we played so many games on the road. We were like one and eight on the road and three and one at home before these uh, last two games. So it's uh, one of those things where. You gotta balance that out a little bit. Obviously, you want to win as much as you can at home, but you can't play the shitty on the road yep. and expect to be a uh, really successful basketball team. But the Hawks, I think, are going to get it together. I think they can still weather this injury. You know, we still have kept the faith in them. They've earned enough goodwill to give them a chance. It's also a long NBA season. Yeah, it seems way too early to like have any concerns. Yeah. Or- really even dive too much into it like yeah let's see how it plays out if we're in this position in january then maybe we can start panicking a little bit but i'm i'm fine you see the effort the effort is there now on the defensive side of the ball and it was not there it was there in the phoenix game but other than that in that road trip it was just pathetic now we're starting to see that and it was really great to see that against the defending champs uh on Sunday night. So I, I feel good about where the Hawks are going. You're exactly right. Get on a roll here, get back to 500, get over 500 and, and, and put the pedal to the metal. Yeah. Only problem is you really don't want to mess around with like key to playoff success this year is getting like a top three seed. Yeah. So you don't want to dig yourself a hole. No. Where you're stuck in that like six 
even five to eight range, you know? Right. And that that was the great thing about uh, especially that Bucks game was the stops on defense led to transition offense, led to Milwaukee not getting their, getting set on D. And they're a very good defensive, defensive team. Um, so it all starts with the defense. If we can just play serviceable defense, maybe even slightly above average, if I can really, you know, I know it might be being greedy with this bunch. And then, you know, the world's our oyster. Then Trey's going to orchestrate. He's going to, um, you know, be able to distribute the ball or take it over himself um, and we'll be good. But when, you know, we allow people to lock us down in half-court offense, it's, it's no good. Yeah, yeah. I got to wrap my mind around the fact that baseball's over, Graham. It sucks. I feel like I haven't transitioned out of baseball yet. I've been playing a lot of uh, MLB The Show since the offseason started. That's, that's just how I'm getting – I'm living through the Braves vicariously. I tell you what, though. Like, last night I was, like, super tired at, like, 9, 9 o'clock maybe. And I was like, oh, I can just go to sleep. It's not like <laughs> the, the second inning of a playoff game yeah. or a World Series game, you know. Definitely need a break. But I hear you. I still want more baseball. It's like with all this excitement, it's like, well, what? Yeah, you know, you, I, just, you I, just want more and more and more. I think this is the week now that you know my World Series vacation is over. Like, I'm gonna, you know, starting with Thursday night football, baby. I can get jacked up about that game. Oh yeah, I got jacked up about our first win of the year. I can do it. Sure, slam a beer can against your head, run through a wall. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Coop kicks like six field goals. Yeah, we went like eighteen to twelve. Mac Jones throws three picks. We almost had a pick pick six to like start off the game, and it went right out of the hands of uh, I think it was Harris. Good lord, that guy cannot catch. No, he's he's terrible. Um, yeah, and it was like from that I was like, man, you gotta capitalize on that shit. That ain't gonna happen again. Yeah, then, gotta set the tone, baby. Yeah. So, but I think that wraps us up for this week's episode. Adam, welcome back. Thanks, Graham. And uh, pleasure. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.